Imagine, if you will, a portal. A portal of glowing liquid that you could walk through and end up in another place. Imagine that you walk through this portal and, after a brief phase of demolecularization, you appear in a swamp. This is not a hot swamp like the wetlands of the southeastern United States. No, this is a swamp in Sweden. A Swedish swamp. And a killer lives in this swamp. This swamp even has a name. But maybe it is a swamp named after a German prog rock band. Its name, the swamp's name, is Blackwater Park. Opeth has become a popular band over time. I've seen random kids wearing Opeth shirts for a while now. There's a reason for that, and the reason is that they are amazing. You were expecting me to say that the reason was their 2001 album Blackwater Park, which is also the title of this podcast. You'd be correct, but I just wanted to throw you off. By the numbers, Blackwater Park was released in February of 2001 by Music for Nations. As of May 2008, the album had sold 93,000 copies in the U.S. Blackwater Park normally has 8 tracks with a normal length of 67 minutes and 13 seconds. All Music gave it a 5 out of 5 stars. Pitchfork gave it a 9.0 out of 10. It is difficult to really gauge the impact of this album based on the paucity of sales information. I think that this album has made immeasurable impact on the landscape of music as we know it today, regardless of the numbers. As a background, we can talk about Opeth prior to BWP, as I will call it. Opeth was something of a standard metal band. They shredded, they growled, they toiled in obscurity, wrapped in their niche. Members came and went, but they ended up with uh, Mikkel, Peter, Martin, and Martin. Mikkel and Peter were old friends, and Martin and Martin were Uruguayan Swedish musicians. There's something to be said about people who have played music together for some time, and there is something to be said about people who share cultural factors. The music of this band began to change as the roster solidified, and as Mikkel changed as a songwriter. This rote, growly music became melodic and beautiful. The albums were filled with story and imagery. There seemed to be a transition from a scared adolescent to a confident artist. Blackwater Park was not the culmination of the artist, but perhaps even more telling of the success of the artist, it was the combined effort of, or with, I guess, external collaboration. BWP marks the first time that Opeth brought in an external producer, and that producer was Stephen Wilson of Porcupine Tree. Porcupine Tree is a band who will show up at some point later in this podcast, but needless to say, he's famous. Wilson has a flair for a refined psychedelia, one could say that exists in very few other but mostly English artists' music. Though Stephen Wilson, to his own credit, did nothing to quote-unquote fix or redirect Opeth. He provided another perspective to further extend their own trajectory as artists. The first seconds of the album confirm this for me. It is just an ominous and increasingly close hum that pays off in the first track, The Leper Affinity. This may be one of the most Opeth songs on one of the most Opeth albums. I say maybe. It's definitely a song that uh, amps you up and brings you into the mix. BWP isn't quite a concept album, but it is a pretty damn good mixtape. The criteria of a mixtape is that it rises and falls. Unlike Barney from How I Met Your Mother, a mixtape cannot be all rise. 
The Leprofinity is a mixtape in and of itself with its own internal rises and falls, which correspond to growls and clean vocals, respectively. If you've never heard an Opeth song before, you'll learn on The Leprofinity that Opeth loves denouement. In this particular track, they set aside two and a half minutes to give a satisfying closing to their 10-minute metal escapade. If it's possible for an album which has already hit its stride to further hit its stride, Blackwater Park really hits its stride in Bleak, the second track, where they evenly pair a fresh take on metal with clean vocals. The interesting part of the vocals is in the chorus, in that Stephen Wilson performed a decent amount of them, as if memory serves, Mikkel Ackerfeldt was sick during this period of the recording and couldn't quite perform this song. He does sing the low part, though. Harvest is a prog break after Bleak. It's like Mikkel was admonishing you for having any ideas as to how this album was going to go. It's a really nice song about being dead, dying perhaps, and I quote, wilted scenes for those who couldn't wait, end quote. That would imply that suicide is involved, but there is some more to the lyric that uh, I really won't spend the time on. It's only fitting that you get a break before the next song. I forget what interview or video it was, but I'm fairly certain that Mikkel called The Drapery Falls something like Pure Emotion, which is interesting coming from a sworn metal band. Stephen Wilson's telephone voice features prominently on the third track as the clean vocal. Following up The Drapery Falls is Dirge for November, which was written for, if memory serves, Mikkel's grandfather who had just recently died. I also believe that in the same interview, if not a similar one, Mikkel stated that this was his least favorite Opeth song. I respectfully will disagree that there are some wonderful guitar parts in this song. I think it has more to do with how Mikkel sees himself in retrospect more than anything. We are our own harshest critics, after all, and I will critique myself harshly in that I should, you know, have these references handy. But these are just memories that I've kind of walked around with for a few years. So it's all just coming out organically. The Funeral Portrait is a driving piece, but not unlike The Leper Affinity or Bleak. TFP perhaps has some nicer leads, but there is also a sense of denouement that really sells the song. The sequence at 6 minutes and 30 seconds really, really sells the song for me. It's wonderful and beautiful powerful and mysterious all at the same time. I still don't know what the second background lyric says, and I don't know that I ever necessarily want to know. Patterns in the Ivy comes right after on the heels of the funeral portrait and is another palate cleanser that just gives you that break. It really sets you up for the hammer that is Blackwater Park. When I saw Opeth perform Blackwater Park live, Mikkel was well into audience engagement mode. He does this quite well, I think, and it is quite enjoyable. Anyway, he asked the audience if they could repeat after him, and then he has some phrases, some musical phrases, and then ends up at And that is the sound that supports the architecture of Blackwater Park throughout what I think to be its entirety. I've read it described as deft, Ebo work, or something to that effect. Mikkel then says, okay, do that for 11 minutes, and immediately kicks off the titular Blackwater Park, the opening of which is a sound, a noise, a rhythm, 
that is burned into my brain. This is something I could never forget. To say the song is riff-populated uh, is an understatement. Every riff is catchy, hummable, and crushing. The song kicks all the way to the end, where some clean guitars take us out and to the end of the regular length album. I would say that this would be the thesis of Opeth's work as a band, but there are no clean vocals, so I'll say that BWP is the thesis of 90% of Opeth's work as a band. It is a product of approximately 10 years worth of blood, sweat, and tears. It is the zenith of an art form breaking out of a mold that was just as old. I wouldn't call it the graduation of Opeth, but perhaps the dissertation of Opeth. Blackwater Park, the album, changed the face of metal forever after it. That might be a big call, but I'm, I'm calling it. My Arms Your Hearse, in comparison, was a bit indulgent. Still Life, in comparison, was a bit theatrical. Blackwater Park, the album, was produced of confident and true artists. It knows, to crib a phrase from the infamous restaurateur Kenny Rogers, when to hold them and when to fold them. This, from the work of Opeth the Band as a band, as individual artists, and as collaborators with their first external producer, a band who, wildly unprepared, mints gold in the studio and gold in their live performances. Yes, I've seen Opeth four to five times at this point, I've lost count, and they never disappointed. These are the later lineups that I've seen. I first saw a live show in 2004, but the Lamentations recording proves itself with the lineup of Blackwater Park. A lot can be said of the dominance of Mikkel Ackerfeld as the primary writer of Opeth, but it is still Peter Lindgren bringing the texture of the second guitar to life, and the Martins, Mendez and Lopez, filling out the rhythm section with their own styles and taking a page from the auteur theory. It's not Mikkel playing all of the instruments, so at the time that he has written a song, it begins to change as it is recorded. No other group of musicians would have made quite this album. Stephen Wilson was also an active participant in the creative process for this album, and also contributed vocals on top of focusing Opeth's creative energy into a laser-like focus, or into a laser point. I don't know. I said focus twice. It, it was very focused. The punishing chords of this album echo throughout the hearts and the minds of a global population enthralled by these masterful musicians. It's shocking to think that this isn't even their final form, and that as artists individually only continue to improve from this point. It has been said, with greater and lesser truth over the years, that the sun never set on the British Empire. I believe that it can be said with a high degree of accuracy that the sun sets forever over Blackwater Park.